Can you guys give a huge welcome and a huge hand to Pastor Andrew as he gets up? We're blessed. This guy is an amazing, just a friend. He and Luna and, and RK and their soon-to-be little, little girl. Uh, but uh, such a blessing to this church, such a blessing on our executive team. Uh, he's young, but he's wise, very wise. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to get to share with you guys um, this morning. Uh, we've been, for the last several weeks, looking at the life and the legacy of Joshua and the story leading up to, to that book in the Bible. Um, I know summertime is, is hard with trips and vacations and sports and great weather and camping and all those different things. And so I wanted to take a few minutes before we jumped into it this morning to just kind of recap and remind us where the Lord has been taking us. Because we've been moving kind of quickly. Um, on the Wednesday nights, we've been moving very, very slowly and very methodically through the book of Corinthians, but on Sunday mornings, we've just been flying through all the different things that the Lord has been showing us in the life and story of Joshua and, and all the things leading up to it. So, if you will, with me for just a moment, uh, allow me to repaint the narrative uh, of what the Bible tells us about this story, and then I'll go back through and I'll kind of pull out the different lessons just real briefly of what we've been learning in this time. So we start kind of with Moses, uh, the Israelites, who are God's chosen people. He's made a covenant with them, and he's brought them as like his own special possession, the Bible says. They're enslaved to the Egyptians in Egypt, and Moses, the Lord raises him up to be the deliverer. So Moses comes into Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Many of you have seen the movie, Ten Commandments, or uh, if you're younger, Prince of Egypt, the animated one. And, uh, and Moses comes in, and it doesn't work the first time, it doesn't work the second time or third time, but the Lord is with him, and he's thrown out these ten plagues that end up shaking and rocking all of Egypt. Finally, Pharaoh can't take it anymore, and he says, you guys get out of here. Like, your God is too powerful, and he's destroying my country. Just get out. So the Israelites uh, pack up all their things, and very quickly they are emancipated, and they are leaving Egypt to head to this land that the Lord had promised to them. And so as they're leaving, um, Pharaoh changes his mind. He realizes the economical implications of letting your entire workforce leave. And, uh, and he calls up his general and he says, hey, we've made a mistake. Uh, go bring those people back. Tell them they still have to be slaves. And so the, the Israelites are leaving. And as they're approaching this big body of water, they've got the enemy, the Egyptians, hot on their tail. And we almost have this like Dunkirk moment, but without the boats. And so um, they're there, and they cry out to God. They're like, what do we do? There's a sea in front of us, and there's an enemy behind us. And the Lord tells Moses, stretch out your arms, and I'll part the sea. And so Moses does it. Just as the Lord says, he stretches out his arms. The waters part miraculously. The Israelites walk through on dry ground, and they pop out on the other side. But the Egyptians are still chasing them. So they cry out again. They're like, God, what are we going to do? And he says to Moses, stretch out your hands again, and I'll bring the waters crashing down on your enemies. And so they're like, great. So they do it. He stretches out his hands, just like he's told. The waters come rushing back, and all the Egyptians drown. The Israelites are stoked. This is really great. Now they're free, and their enemy has been demolished. And so they continue on towards this land that's been promised to them. Um, after some while of wandering through the, through the wilderness, they arrive at the edge of the promised land, and they decide to send in uh, 12 spies. They want to scope out the land before they just march into it. And so they send out these 12 spies, and they go on this tour, recon mission, and they come back, and all 12 of them agree that the land is phenomenal. But 10 of them are really concerned with the giants in the land. 
So two of them are saying, it's a fantastic land. The Lord said he's going to give it to us. And at this point, it's been almost miracle after miracle every day. The Lord's providing food. The Lord's providing water in the middle of the wilderness. The waters parted. You know, the Egyptians were drowned. All of these incredible things have happened. And so the two of them, two of the spies are filled with faith. And they say, if the Lord said we can take the land, then regardless of who's there, we know we can take it. But ten of them said, no, 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 these people are giants. And I sort of imagine God in heaven being like, so? <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, no, you don't get it, God. Like, they're twice our size. And God's just kind of like, how big do you think I am? But their view of God was too small, and so they said, we can't do it. And the Lord gives them this opportunity. He says, no, 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 like, I told you to do this. Like, walk in there and take the land. And they say, no, we won't do it. It's too scary. And so uh, the Lord says, okay, if you're going to be disobedient, you're going to lose your promised land privileges. And, uh, and so they do. They lose their privileges for 40 years. And that older generation uh, passes away, and a younger generation is raised up, waiting for the promise that's before them, but they couldn't yet step into. Finally, that time ticks by. Moses passes away, and a new leader is established, Joshua. And Joshua hears from the Lord, now's the time. And so he gathers all the people. He says, hey, get ready. In three days, we're going to cross. And so he sends uh, these two spies out, and learning from the lessons of last time, he's like, I'm only going to send guys who are filled with faith. So he sends these two out, uh, they tour the cities, they come back, and, and they're like, oh yeah, everyone is there is shaken in their boots. They're terrified of us and the God that's with us. And so they come back, everyone's excited, and they cross the river. Again, um, miraculously, no boats, they cross this great river in its flood season. And they get on the other side, and the Lord calls them uh, to do some outpatient surgery on all the guys. And so they, they perform that uh, on the other side of the, of the river. And then while they're all recovering, the Lord speaks to Joshua and gives them some, uh, some really detailed strategy for how to take their first walled city. So they're coming up, they're marching towards Jericho. And the Lord gives them some specific strategy. He says, I want you to uh, march around it really quietly. And then later on, I want you to blow a trumpet and then shout. And it doesn't make any sense, but it works. The walls come crumbling down and uh, all the Israelites are able to rush in and overtake the city. From there, they move on to a mili military campaign where they take city after city after city, and they score an almost perfect record of 31-0. and 0. There was one city where they lost at first, but they, they challenged them to a rematch, and they won it the second time. And so through this, they're capturing land after land after land, but the Lord says to Joshua, he says, hey, you're getting old. You guys aren't moving fast enough. I want to give you even more land than this. And uh, he says, so from here on out, I'm just going to go ahead and do all the work for you guys. You just have to go and, like, follow me. And Joshua's like, okay. And then uh, that's about where we're going to pick up the story today. We're going to spend some time looking at what happens after the Lord says, hey, you know what, you've done a great job, but you're not doing it quite fast enough. Let me do it for you and, and what that looks like for them. So that's a little bit of the narrative. Some of the lessons that we've learned from that is, is number one, just as the Israelites had a promise, they had a physical territory. We believe the Lord has given our church a promise that for this region we have, we have a territory not in the natural but in the supernatural. So they were fighting um, a physical battle for physical land, but we're fighting a spiritual battle for souls. And so we believe that the Lord has promised us 5,000 souls and then some. We believe that's, that's the starting number, that's the beginning of the promise that we can rally behind, but it's going to be even more than that. So just as the Israelites had a promise, we've got a promise. And in the same way that they have to fight for it, we're fighting for it each day. Uh, it just looks a little bit differently. So that was our first lesson. The second lesson we pulled from this narrative is that uh, they crossed the Jordan River to step into the promise 
and figuratively on, on May 5th, our church did the same. So in terms of timeline, if you've been out for a few weeks or, or you missed, or maybe that's just, man, six weeks ago, and you're like, I've lived a whole life in six weeks. My kids are out of school. Like, this has been so much. We did that. On May 5th, we had uh, our combination service, and we really felt like the Lord was marking that time as, like, that's when we're crossing the Jordan. Um, the third lesson, before, during, and after the crossing, it was super critical and important that the people of God listened and heard the voice of God to guide them. And it's equally important for us that we obey and that we listen to his voice. And so that was one that we, we looked at how they did things, and, and we saw in the scripture that it said, you know, the Lord said this to Joshua. He said this to the people, and they did it. And again and again and again, it was they heard God and they obeyed. And we talked about how important that is for us. Fourthly, the Israelites circumcised the men after they crossed the Jordan. And in the New Testament, New Testament we see that what matters most to God is not um, the physical, but it's the heart. And so he is looking for our hearts to be tender and to be softened, that we would cut away the calluses and those things where maybe we've shut off God from parts of our lives where, okay, God, you can take my salvation, but I'm going to be in charge of, of everything else. And, and he wants us to kind of cut out those hard places where we've caused a separation and instead to have a soft heart towards his will and towards how he feels about his people. So we talked about that, the circumcision of our hearts. Then uh, as we focused on the harvest of souls, we looked at how the Israelites handled the testimony of fear versus the testimony of faith. When there was the 12 spies that went out, 10 of them came back with fear, and they were worried, and two of them were filled with faith. And we talked about how even in our lives, we have that moment of when God is asking us to do something, we can choose to be obedient and have faith, or we can choose to disobey and have fear. And we talked about what that looks like, fear versus faith. And then most recently, we learned five things that will help us as we prepare ourselves for the battle. Our battle isn't physical, it's spiritual, and so we talked about some, some things that will help us as we work to battle for the souls. So that is just a quick recap of where we've been the last several weeks. Hopefully that's a refresher for you. Now as we jump into uh, Joshua chapter 18 uh, and we look at kind of that part of the story, you've got a lot of context for what we're about to explore. So this morning I've got very simply just two points that I want to give us that I really feel like the Lord has for our church. Um, point number one that I want us to be able to leave with is that faith activates the promise. And then point number two, the promise is for all of us. And if we all play our cards right, I've got a bonus point at the end that we might get to, but we'll see. So faith activates the promise. That's the, the first point this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Faith activates the promise. And as I was preparing this morning, as I was kind of praying through the message, I really felt that the Lord impress on my heart that it's not just faith, it's obedience. And, and really, faith gets married with obedience. Faith, and we read this in James, it, it's not just, I believe, but he says, show me your faith by your works. And it's not just like how good you are or like how much you tithe. It's not that. It's, it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's I believe God, therefore I do the thing he asked me to do. And so the obedience gets married with faith. So I wrote down faith activates the promise. That's what's on the slide. But you could very easily say obedience activates the promise. And I remember being about, it was either eight or nine, and I had my first big run-in with, with obedience. The first really memorable moment. I had called my friend up, and I had to explain to him that I got grounded and I couldn't come over uh, that day. And we had already made plans that we were going to hang out that afternoon. But when I called him and I said, sorry, man, I can't hang out anymore, I got grounded. He said, what happened? And I said, I left a stick on the patio. And he said, wow, that's harsh. And I said, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And at eight years old, I thought I was getting grounded because I left a stick on, on the patio. 
what I learned a little bit later, and especially now like that I'm a dad and I'm working through what obedience looks like with my daughter, I'm, I'm totally understanding that I was grounded because I was disobedient. What had happened, and I'm sure this happens with a lot of boys and, and girls maybe, with, with a little bit of imagination and a lot of open space, uh, boys will, will find a stick and both transform it and themselves into a whole new world. And so I grew up uh, just outside of the suburbs, closer to like the country, and we had a little bit of land. And so my parents would tell me to go play outside, and I'd go outside and I'd find a stick, a downed limb, or I'd break a limb off, and I'd find a stick, and I would turn it into a lightsaber, and I'd become a Jedi. Or uh, I'd become a ninja, and it would be my katana. And, or, you know, like, I'd transform it into an assault rifle, and then I was a, a sniper on a recon mission. And, and whatever I wanted to become, like, that stick transformed me into it. And so I'd be playing out in the summer heat, and I'd get tired, or I'd want a popsicle, or water, or bathroom break, or whatever. And so I'd come back to the house, and I'd, I'd be carrying my lightsaber, or my assault rifle, or whatever it is, and I would I'd just drop it on the patio as I like came into the house. My parents had worked really hard to create this beautiful, entertaining space, um, and so what had started is just like a, pa- a gross, patchy piece of dirt. Um, they had like cemented, and they had laid tile, and they had done this beautiful like sunshade over top and got some really nice patio furniture and so they loved to entertain and that was like where we spent a lot of evenings and I was constantly cluttering it with just sticks with garbage and my parents especially my dad had told me again and again hey don't leave the sticks on here it's great that you're playing with sticks now we don't have to buy you toys it's great that you're playing with sticks (laughs) but stop leaving them on the patio and I said okay yeah 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 and then anyone who has kids knows like the next day I'm still leaving sticks on the patio And so this had gone on for weeks, and my dad had finally told me, like, Andrew, don't leave the sticks on the patio or there's going to be consequences. I said, okay, yeah, 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 dad, all right. And so, like, that day that I had to call my friend, I was doing something out in the backyard, playing with a stick, sword fighting with a tree, and I had uh, had come back up to the house to get some water, and I dropped it on on the patio and came inside and got some water or whatever. And, uh, And what's worse is I wasn't, like, going back out the same back door and picking up my stick, I'd always go and get new sticks. So the sticks were just piling up on the patio. And so my dad walked by, and he's like, what are all these sticks doing on the patio? And I was like, ah. He said, hey, you're grounded for the rest of the afternoon. Like, you can't go play. And I was like, but I'm supposed to go play with Taylor. He's like, no, I told you again and again and again, no sticks on the patio, and you keep putting sticks on the patio. At this point, like, you're not listening, and you're not being obedient. Like, that's an issue. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I call my friend. I'm grounded because I left a stick on the patio. I'm not so upset. In a similar way, there are times in our lives where, whether it's a parent or God or a boss, someone will ask us to do something. And our behavior is, is usually linked to how much we believe a consequence uh, will happen, either good or bad. Like, if I work really hard, I'll get this promotion. So that's a behavior tied to a consequence. If I do 20 miles, an over, 20 miles an hour over in a school zone, I'll get a ticket, and that's expensive. So it's a behavior tied to a consequence. I think in a similar way, the Israelites, who are getting ready to cross the Jordan, sent the 12 spies in, 10 of them came back fearful. They, they had this behavior tied to a consequence. They didn't think God was good enough or powerful enough to give them the promise, and so they said, we don't want it. Others of them were firmly rooted in faith. And they said, no, our God is big enough and good enough. He's going to give us this promise. And so their, their behavior was tied to that belief. And so I think 
when I say faith activates the promise, I'm talking about obedience activates the promise. And the opposite side is that when we're disobedient, we miss out. We lose our promised land privileges for 40 years. And so to put this in, in terms of where we're at right now, like we have this promise for 5,000 souls. And what I believe God is asking of us is that he's, he's saying, hey, I've promised you to see these 5,000 come into the kingdom, but I need you to step out with an, with an invitation. I need you to step out with a question to say, hey, do you know a man? Do you want to meet a man? Let me tell you my testimony of how he's influenced my life. And we're faced with this choice of like, okay, I either believe God's good enough to deliver on that promise, that he's already working in their heart, and they're going to say yes, and so I'm going to step out, or we believe that he's not that good, that he didn't really say it, it's not going to happen, they're going to think we're weird, and we don't say anything. And so I believe that even though this promise has been promised, even though the 5,000 has been said, that number's been given, we have to do our part to be obedient to see it fulfilled. We can't stay on the other side of the Jordan and just wait for God to, like, bring the land to this side of the river. Like, we have to cross that river. And we begin to see that in Joshua 1. And this is really interesting. We've, we've looked at this verse a few times in this series. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. The Lord is speaking to Joshua, and he says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. Wherever you set your foot you will be on land I have given you. He's told him, like, hey, you're going to cross this river. You're going to go into this land that I promised, henceforth known as the promised land. And when you get in there, everywhere that you walk, every place that you step, that's your land now. Like, boom, I own this. This is mine. This is mine. And everywhere you go, that's going to happen. But they're still on the other side of the Jordan. And so in Joshua 3, verse 15, the Lord's like, the Lord's telling him, okay, cross the river now. Go into this promised land. And Joshua's saying, okay, but how? Like, there's still a big river and it's flood season, and it's, over, it's, it's overflowing its banks. And we see this, chapter 3, verse 15. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. Now imagine this. You've got the whole nation of people, and Joshua, the leader, hears from the Lord, hey, now's the time we're going to cross it. And they're like, cool, um, you know, if we wait a little while, it won't be in flood season, and then maybe we could find a shallow place to cross. And Joshua's like, no, the Lord says now, so we're going to do it now. We're going to be obedient. We've been waiting 40 years. We're not going to put it off for a while longer. And, uh, and the people are like, okay, but how are we going to do it? And he's like, I don't know, but the Lord said wherever we place our feet, he's going to give it to us. And they're like, great. So what's your plan? I think we're going to walk into the river. And, th and they're like, what? And so you've got these four guys or six guys carrying the ark on their shoulders, and Joshua tells them, yeah, lead us. Just start marching into the river, and God's going to take care of it. And it's like, what? And sure enough, like, they step on. And it, this is a river that's not like, you know, it's not a pool with, like, a cement edging where there's a clear delineation. It's a river that's rushing, that's overflowing its banks. And these guys are just supposed to start walking. So I imagine they're moving from, like, a high ground where it's dry, and slowly, like, they're getting closer to the edge and, like, there's a, you know, the water, the grass is like just a little bit wet, and then they get a little bit farther, and it's like starting to get marshy, and they're not in the river yet, but they're close, and they're like, okay, God, like, when are you going to open this river yet? And they're, they're starting to get really, really close, and they're thinking back, and they're like, Joshua, Joshua, couldn't we do this like Moses did it? Like, can't you just put your arms out, and the river will open up? And he says, no, the Lord said wherever we put our feet. He's like, so you guys got to put your feet in that river. 
And they're like, what? <laughs> and so they're walking, and like, sure enough, as soon as they step into it, as soon as their faith, their obedience begins to activate this promise, like, hey, I'm going to step into this thing even though I don't see it. The last time God parted a river, we just, the leader put his hands out, and it happened for us, and we walked on dry ground. We didn't have to get our feet wet. But this time the Lord is asking us to get our feet wet a little bit before we're going to see the miracle. And so they step into it. And I don't know if it's when the last guy got his feet into it or when the first guy got his feet into it. But once their feet got wet, then all of a sudden the whole river parted. And they were able to walk across on dry ground. And I believe that our faith, our obedience, activates those promises in our life. In the same way as they're marching around Jericho, like, how ridiculous. That's a terrible military strategy. Walk around silently and then blow a trumpet and shout. Like, it'll take care of the walls. That's not, I'm not an engineer, but that's not how you demolish a wall. But it was their, their obedience tied to their faith. I believe that God will do this, so I will obey him. I believe that God's good enough and he's powerful enough, so I'm going to do exactly what he asked me to do because I believe he's going to deliver. Our faith activates the promise. Joshua 4:18. as soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant came out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. How, I don't want to say coincidental, but isn't it interesting that the Lord was so deliberate with his language that he said, wherever your feet go, I'll give you that land. And then it was all about the priest's feet. It wasn't about what Joshua did or how he parted the river. It was the feet of the people, and as they moved, as soon as, their feet were, as soon as their feet touched the water, the water split. As soon as their feet were on high ground, the water collapsed again. Our faith, our obedience, activates the promise. I was challenged, uh, probably almost a year ago now, by a friend who had, we were talking about something, and he said, oh, and he was, he was half joking, but it hit me with all seriousness. He said, oh, well, how do, you, do you know how you know if you believe in healing? And I was like, no, how do you know if you believe in healing? He's like, oh, if you pray for healing. And, and he meant it as a joke in the context of what we were talking about, but it hit me so hard. I thought for sure I believed in healing. Like, yeah, my God heals. But when I looked back on it, I was like, how many times have I prayed for healing in the last year? And I was like, it wasn't a lot. And then I thought, how many times have I seen someone like sick or hurt or wounded or whatever? And I was like, it's more than I've prayed. And it, and it kind of, this realization hit me that, that my belief and my actions weren't, uh, they weren't adding up. And it made me think, okay, one of these things, I'm, I'm kind of lying to myself about it. Like, I either, I either believe this and I'm going to start praying for it, or I don't believe it and I don't have to pray for it. And, uh, and it was really this, like, oh, man, the rubber met the road kind of moment where it's like I had to be brutally honest with myself of, like, if I'm not praying for people to get healed, maybe I don't believe God that he heals. And maybe that's something I need to press in and say, God, I want to see you as the healer. Like, and I need to start listening to testimonies of healing to remind myself that, yes, my God, does, my God does heal, and then to start stepping out into that to see him heal. Similarly, we're in this season of like evangelism. And I'm, like, my natural gifting isn't an evangelist. I've got like maybe six or seven other giftings before evangelist is on my list. And so I'm really having to like remind myself that, okay, like, if, this is what, if, if I truly believe that God saves souls, and it's not up to me, it's, it's his Holy Spirit and it's the work of Jesus that does this, then it's like, okay, if I truly believe that, then I need to be extending that invitation to people. Like, if I truly believe that my life is better because of Jesus, why would I not tell other people? And so I'm having this internal wrestle of, like, 
I know I'm not an evangelist, but I know this is what I'm called to do, and I know there's this promise that I need to step into. And so I'm like, okay, like, I need to either decide if I believe this or not, and I need to start doing something about it. And so in the same way that, like, I don't know, if your faith is tied to your obedience, like, let's reevaluate. Let's have some honest conversations with ourselves of, like, where am I not seeing my obedience to what God has asked me to do, and what is it there that I'm not believing well? Like, what is there that I'm not trusting? How am I being like the, the people of Israel that came back and they're like, but there's giants. And God's like, how big do you think I am? And they're like, but they're 12 feet. And God's like, I'm so much bigger. And somehow in our lives we're seeing like our reputation or we're seeing what other people will say about us or think about us or the stares that we'll get. And we're thinking, oh, but God, they'll look at us different. And he's like, so? And we're like, but it'll hurt. And he's like, what? What? So there's some things there for us to kind of self-evaluate. I'll leave that with, with you. All right. I want to brag on our youth for a minute. This is just kind of a side note. They have been doing a fantastic job of this. As, uh, as Pastor Mike and Christy have talked about our goal of 5,000, our promise of 5,000, our youth have really done a great job of, like, owning a piece of that, to say that that's not just for the adults. That's for our church, like, children and up. And so at VBS over the last few weeks, we saw God move powerfully. Like, we, in evangelism, we saw children come to know Jesus, which is fantastic. But also in our youth, in our middle school, last week, they went on a treasure hunt. And if you're not familiar with that term, it just means that they prayed and asked God to highlight people, and then they went out looking for those people. And we call them our treasure because the Lord loves them, and he's searching for them. And so they went out to the, to the outlet mall, and they're just running around looking for people. And uh, the little group that I was with, um, they were excited. They were nervous, but they were so excited. And so they had shared with each other, like, okay, like, I believe that God, God's showing me, like, a person in a red shirt with a dog. Like, I'm supposed to look for someone like that because that's who God wants to talk to. And so we're going around, and, like, we see a red person or a guy with a red shirt and a dog, and, and everyone in the group's like, you got to go pray for him. Like, you got to go pray for him. That's your guy. And so with a little encouragement, one of our students goes over and is like, hey. And because and, we're a group, we didn't want to just, like, mob this person. Uh, <laughs> So we're trying to hang back and act really casual, like, uh, we're just, don't mind us, we're just here. And so the student goes up and talks to him. The guy wasn't super, super open to it, but we were planting a seed. And so he comes back and we encourage him, hey, you did exactly, you know, what you're supposed to. And he's kind of down. But he was the first one to step out. And so we're like, that's so much, that's so bold, like, that's so awesome that you did that. And, and then we had another person, like, as we're going, another person in our group was like, I think that's my guy. I think that's my guy. So we're like, okay, yeah, go, go and get him. And so... <laughs> And so we're, like, again, trying to, we're just, like, group of me and some middle schoolers, and we're just, like, trying to act casual. And, uh, and he goes up, and, and he sits down with this guy on, on, who's sitting on one of the benches, and, and he says, hey, like, can I pray for you? And talks about, like, I really feel like the Lord has something for you. And, does it, and it has this beautiful, like, ministry moment in that thing. We come back, and we meet up with the other groups, and we found out there was three salvations last week because we got to go out and talk to some people. And so... So the youth are, are crushing it. And that's our middle schoolers on Sunday mornings. On Wednesday nights, uh, Pastor Zach had, had challenged our, our youth. He said, okay, how many of you guys will commit this week to ask one person? And, uh, and he kind of he challenged them. He really challenged them. At first, it was just a few hands. And he's like, come on, guys. Like, we got to own this thing. And so, like, sure enough, like, more and more hands. And he's like, okay, all you guys got to ask. And so then this last Wednesday, we came back. And he's like, hey, like, how many of you guys were here last week? And a bunch of hands go up. How many of you guys raised your hands last week? And then all of a sudden the faces, like, 
everyone's eyes lit up, and it was for one of two reasons. It was either like you remembered to ask someone, and you're really excited to share what happened, or you totally forgot to ask someone, and you're like, oh, man, I forgot. Several of our students and even some of our adult leaders got to stand up at the front and share the testimonies of how like they stepped out and they talked to someone, stranger or coworker or everything in between, and they were sharing just what God's doing in their life. That it's not like, you know, it's not bringing a Bible and being like, look at all this and trying to like explain all the mysteries of the Bible. It's just offering an invitation. Hey, God has changed my life. I believe he wants to change your life too. Do you want to meet this man? And and, and just that simply, not, not overcomplicating it, not trying to get in some theological debate about this or that. It's just like, hey, like my life's been transformed, and I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about it. Like My life is so much better now. I, I want you to experience this as well. And so our, our students and some of our adult leaders got to share those testimonies, and our people were, were excited. Our youth were, were pumped. And so Pastor Zach challenged them again. He said, okay, so how many of you guys are going to go out this week and ask another person and the hands went up again. And so we're excited to see on Wednesday more testimonies. But this isn't just for our youth and for our children. And you guys know that. But that's my second point. So I'll talk about it some more. The promise is for all of us. For Joshua and the Israelites, it wasn't just Joshua and the priests, the guys carrying the Ark of the Covenant that walked across the river. And they were like, all right, we'll see all you guys later. Like, we're going to the promised land. All of us are called to this promise. Even if you're at the back of the line and you're like, I can't hear a thing that they're talking about. I don't know what's happening up there. I don't know who's making these decisions. Why are we crossing the river in a flood season? Like, regardless of where you're at, like maybe you're like me and, and evangelism is really low on your spiritual giftings. You're like hospitality, servant, like all these things before and you're like evangelist real low. All of us, this promise is for all of us. It's for our whole congregation, not just our church in the sense of like our ministry staff. Not just our church in the sense of our, our lay leaders or our volunteers. This is for all of us. All of us have the opportunity to step into this promise and see an impact made for the kingdom of God. To see souls transformed and lives totally touched. The promise is for all of us. And here's where I want to look at in Joshua chapter 18. In Joshua 18 verse 1 through 3 we see this passage. Now that the land was under Israelite control, the entire community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. But there remained seven tribes who had not yet been allotted their grants of land. Then Joshua asked them, how long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? So in the context of this, the Lord promised some land to the Israelites. It's taken them a long time to get there. Finally, they're there, and they're starting to take it. Uh, they, they conquer 31 kings and kingdoms, uh, and there's still much more to go. And the Lord says, hey, you're doing great, but you're not moving fast enough. From here on out, you're not going to have to fight these battles. I'm going to drive them out for you. Um, and then shortly thereafter, Joshua addresses the people, and he says, hey, the, Lord's, the Lord promised it to you. Then he started giving it to you, and then he's going to give it to you even greater. He says, but how long are you going to wait? Like, you're just standing around, and you're watching these other guys who inherited their land, these tribes were watching the other tribes that had already inherited their land, but they were sitting on the sidelines of their own land. And I think there's a, I think it would be easy for some of us to join on Sunday morning, to worship, rah, 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 we love God, and to sit on the sidelines and say, wow, these testimonies are really great. You guys are doing a good job. Keep going. I think it would be easy to fall into this trap of the promises for them 
the, the promised land is for them, the 5,000 souls are for them, the evangelism is for them, it's not for me. And what Joshua said to the other tribes, and, and what I want to say this morning is, don't wait on the sideline. This promise is for all of us, and we all have a part to play. It's not the same without all of us, because each one of us have a different sphere of influence. We're all meeting a different group of people. We're all impacting different lives, and we all have a different uh, influence on those lives that we're interacting with. And so we need each of us to play our part to see this 5,000 promise happen. We need all of us to cross the river together. And what's so interesting about this, um, and maybe it's not even, like, interesting. That's probably not the right word. What's... uh, what hits my heart about this, what really, like, the Lord's been speaking to me to kind of bring it into, into better perspective, that's what I'm looking for, perspective, is in my mind, and even in some of our language, we're talking about this battle. We're talking about taking territory and taking cities, and we're going to transform, and, and this and that, rah, rah, rah. And, uh, and it's really not that hard. Like, when we're talking about a battle, or we're talking about this whatever, it's, uh, it's just asking a question. Like, for us, it's just a conversation. It's not life and death. Not life and death. But for the other person, it kind of is. Like, for them, eternity is on the line. And for us, it's just, I don't know, our reputation with that one person. Or, or maybe a, a few minutes of inconvenience. And, it, and so when we think about it in those terms, it's like, oh, man, like, how selfish of me to, to not do this. How selfish of me to not extend the invitation, or to ask the question, or to bring up the topic of faith, or to have a conversation around it. It's not that hard for us. We talk about it being a battle, and we're going to fight this battle, and all these things, but it's, it's really not that hard. Like, we don't, it doesn't cost us a lot, but for them, it, it could be absolutely a ton. For them, it could be eternity. For them, it could be life and death. For us, it's just a conversation. Joshua chapter 21 Verse 43 through 45. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Everything he had spoken came true. We are seeing this again and again and again. 5,000 is closer and easier and more obtainable than it sounds. Uh, already we've seen more salvations in the last like month than we've seen in the last year. And, and I don't think it's just because we're starting to look at them and starting to track them. I think it's because the Lord has put his grace on this season. And in the same way we're marching around a city walls and then shouting doesn't seem like a great game plan. Like it doesn't make sense logically that we could just bring up the topic and ask the question and people would get saved. But we're seeing it with delivery drivers and we're seeing it with, with moms and with teachers and with coworkers and we're seeing it again and again and again that these people, their hearts are just ready and all they need is a question. All they need is an invitation. All they need is someone to pray with them and all of you guys are capable to do that. I believe in all of you that all of you guys have everything you need already, the spirit of God within you to, to help lead a person like that. Don't disqualify yourself. All of you guys have that. All of you are ready to do that. One more thing about our youth, because they're crushing it. And I work with them, so I'm a little biased. We are, um, we are so excited about what God is, is doing with them, how he's stirring them up and how they're, they're becoming bold with their faith. Um, 
next month in July, we're doing a youth conference with the youth. And we are excited for what God's going to do. Not just because, like, we're hosting a conference and it's high energy and we'll drink a lot of coffee and Red Bulls. That'll happen and that'll be fun. But we're really excited because we haven't seen a season like this leading up to an event like that. And we just believe, we've called the conference Nothing Else um, because we're going to talk about how we're going to build our lives on nothing else but Jesus. Not on social status or follower counts or how many likes or comments you got. Not on what school you attend or who your parents are. We're going to build our life on nothing else but Jesus. And so that's what we've called it. And so as we're seeing this group of young people like really step into kind of a, a, I don't know, what a lot of Western Christianity would call radical, um, as they step into that, we're really excited to give them uh, an event that's going to be a catalyst for them to, to be everything that God's called them to be. So if you've got a young person or you know a young person or there's a young person on your block, sign them up for that. We would love to, to see them there to see how God can transform them in that. All right, so good. So you can all sign up your young people. The events, uh, all the info's on the website, so visit that and do that. So that's my one plug. Um, taking it back to Joshua, uh, it was several weeks ago, we handed our card, and on that card we put five names on it, and we've been praying for these five. And if you've forgotten, that's fine. If you lost your card, write another one. It's easy. There's uh, something in the seat back that you can write on, pens somewhere, or mark it down on your phone. But we're committed. We're each praying for these five, believing that God's going to bring them into the kingdom. And already we're hearing testimony of people saying, hey, I got one of my five, or I've got two of my five now. And so we're praying for those, and we're believing. We're praying together for them. Um, and so I wanted to take a minute now and, and give you an opportunity to, to pull those out, to reflect on them, to write them down, wherever. I don't know if you've got yours with you or you need to rewrite them. or think them. But to pray for those five now, I want to, I want to take a minute now to do that as we, allow the God to, as we allow God to speak to our hearts about what our next step is in being obedient to activate the promise that he has. Um, if you need a card or you don't have something that you can write on, we've got a few in the back that they'll pass out to you. Um, but would you just reflect with me uh, as we ask God to move in our hearts? Father, we ask, that, uh, we ask for souls. We ask for the promise that you've made. Lord, we pray that for these five, that you've put on our hearts and on our minds, we pray that you would move in power, that your Holy Spirit would begin to minister to their hearts. Father, that they would be open and prepared to hear, to hear your message of hope and of love. Father, we pray that as we articulate the goodness of God, that he would send his son to die in our place, to pay for the sins that we couldn't pay for, that he died and rose again and ascended up to heaven. Father, as we articulate that to our friends and our loved ones and our neighbors, Father, I pray that they would be sensitive and that they would respond. Lord, we thank you that the time is now, that we're not going to put it off or delay it, but we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready and we're going to listen to your prompting. And when we hear it, that we'll be obedient so that we can activate the promise that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell you what, whoa, I hold the mic a little closer. <laughs> We're going to close in just a minute, but I think let's just respond to the Lord in this. I think it's just the worship team to come up, and maybe we just close with a song here. But also, um, I just want to read this scripture as, as Andrew was talking about this. I read this in the back room this morning, but 
This is in, in Isaiah 52. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. I believe that as we move forward in this season, what Andrew talked about is so critical that, that it is our faith, it's this, it's this obedience that is going to activate this promise that we're about to see. And we're seeing it happen, but I believe we haven't seen anything yet. We're just seeing like the trickle effect like of what's about to, to hit in a major way. One, it's preparing our hearts. We talked about it, just that battle ready, being ready for this. And then it's activating it. It's stepping into this. And it is for all of us. So as we, as we close, will you guys just, let's stand up. And let's just, uh, let's just allow the Lord to just move on our hearts. And, and here's what I want to say is if, if there's that doubt in your heart, if there's that, ah, I just don't, I, I'm not on board. I just don't get it. Uh, I'm going to ask the Lord just to, to shift that in our hearts because one of the things that we saw is, is with the Israelites, the first round, man, they just didn't get it, right? The second round, they did. They were like, okay, they didn't believe. We're going to believe, and we're going to actually step into it. They said, Joshua, they said, whatever, whatever you say, we will do it, but be strong and courageous in this, and, and listen to the Lord, because we're going after this, but we're we're hoping that you hear. For us, we all get to hear. We all have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So we get to hear the voice of the Father. So let's just agree. Do you guys, you guys have something we just close with? A song here as we... And, and in that, I just want to invite anyone who wants to come up, anyone who just wants to receive prayer for anything. But also, if, if you just want... I know we talked about this last week, about the boldness, about stepping out with boldness. If you want to engage in that and you're just asking the Lord, but I, I want to be one of those that, that has that faith that steps into this, I want to encourage you to just allow the Lord to move in your heart. And, and here's the fun part, is you will get to see this inheritance. You will get to see this. I mean, when I prayed for this guy over here, like, it so encouraged my heart. This is a guy that's just doing a delivery. And here he gets delivered, right? He's... <laughs> And uh, this is for all of us. And there's such an excitement in it. When we get to be there and, and, and just these people come into the kingdom, it is life or death for those people. And it is our, we have the opportunity to be those that are going to say, hey, will you come into the kingdom? Will you be one that expands this kingdom that the Lord is going after your heart, but he's using each one of us to do it? Okay, so worship team, what you got? <laughs> I like to put them on the spot. No hail, King there we go. Jesus. No hail, Lord of heaven and so Just respond with your heart right now to the Lord.
Just worship Him with Let your heart. that invitation that if there is someone out here right now that you're in our midst and, and you're just feeling that tug in your heart that you've never fully surrendered your life to the Lord here we're talking about it but we want to give you that invitation we want to give you that opportunity that you wouldn't leave this place today without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is your Lord that he is your Savior. It's the beginning of, of something of walking into a whole new life with him in an eternal life that it doesn't end on this earth, but it actually continues for an eternity that through Christ, we actually now have a relationship with the Father for eternity. It's a free gift. It's a free gift to every one of us. But it comes by just saying yes. It comes by accepting it to say, I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. So if that's you, I want to just invite you as we close here just to come forward, to respond to that invitation. You can pray with me. You can pray with one of our prayer teams. If we can just get the prayer teams to come up front. if you need prayer for anything else, we don't want you to leave here without receiving that prayer. We want to come alongside you. So I want to encourage you, just as Andrew did, that this week, take the opportunity just even to talk to one person. Share your story with them. Give them an invitation. It's not life and death for us, but it could be life and death for the person that you're talking to. So Father, I pray for 
just a boldness in this time and in this season. Lord, I thank you that you go before us. Lord, you're the one that's already stirring the hearts of people, that you're the one that's going after these people. It's by your Son, because you sent your Son to die on a cross for each one of us individually. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. But oh, that we get to have it because of your Son and by grace. And that we would now take that and that we would freely give what we have received. That we would freely share that with others. So strengthen us. Give us that boldness to step out that it's not about us. Help us to get over ourselves. To share your love with others around us. Wherever we are. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week.